Welcome to the podcast of Faith Presbyterian Church here in Clinton, Louisiana. I'm glad you found us. My name is Tony Piles, and I'm the pastor here. I pray this recording brings you encouragement and growth in Christ, and we would love for you to join us in person anytime you are in town. Check our website, faithchurchclinton.org, for our current schedule of worship and Bible studies. And may God bring you blessing through what you're about to hear. Thank you. Sermon passage this morning is taken from Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse 10. Philippians 4, verses 10 through 20. Hear now God's word. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Please be seated. Lord, would you open our eyes this morning that we might behold wonderful things in your law. In Jesus' name, amen. How to write an apostolic thank you note. In the midst of Paul's deep theology and direct application and repeated commands to rejoice, it's easy to forget that that he's writing to thank the Philippians for a gift that they've sent by the hand of Epaphroditus or to be dismayed by what appears to be a a long delay on Paul's part before he finally gets around to it. That's one aspect of reading Philippians a few verses at a time over two months instead of in one sitting. Because when this letter reached the church at Philippi, it would have been read in one service, all together, so that the effect, rather, instead of putting off and putting off and putting off and putting off and finally getting to a half-hearted thank you, is instead he can get his instruction to the church out of the way 
And then as he wraps up that letter, end with this thanks so that as they leave that meeting, his words here are the words that are ringing in their ears. So what do we make of Paul's apostolic thank you note of of these 10 verses that he gives us this morning? And you're my witness, right? That we left off at verse 9 last week. This is the next passage, right? This is one of the, the things about picking a book and going from beginning to end is I, I don't get to pick what's next, right? And if I'd done that ahead of time, I might not have picked Philippians, right? We've had strong words for leaders. And now we get to talk about money. And I'd rather skip this and go to a different passage. But, but bear with me and let's see what Paul has to say from chapter four, the second half of chapter four. And the first thing I think we'll see in verses 10 through 13 is Paul describes himself and by example urges us to be content in every circumstance. We see this in verses 10 through 13. And part of what Paul's burden is in this paragraph is how to thank the Philippians without implying that he needs more. Some of you know that reflex as you're writing a thank you note to a friend who sent you a gift or as a child as you're sending a note to grandma after Christmas, right? How do I say thank you without implying that I need you to send another gift, right? And so we see Paul's comments, right? I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length, You've revived your concern for me. After a a long hiatus, the Philippians have been able to resume sending gifts to Paul. There's no reproach in Paul's words here. It'd be easy to see that. The, The implication that, yeah, it's been a while since your last check. Thank goodness for this one, right? Or... It's finally here. You're concerned for me after all. But in Paul's words, he recognizes that they've always had this concern for him. That they have richly given in the past. And something, something in their circumstances or Paul's has prevented their supporting him in this way for some time. They've continued to support him through prayer. They have loved him. They have desired to hear from him and know his circumstances. But now, in the Lord's providence, that ability to care for Paul through this means has been refreshed. It's been renewed. It's sprouted like those flowers in the spring. So there's no reproach in Paul's Words that at length you have revived your concern. This you've been given this further opportunity. But then Paul has to be careful again, because Paul has learned to be content in every circumstance. This is not that I'm speaking of being in need. It's not that I haven't had the chance to eat since the last gift that came from you. It says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. 
Paul knows how to weather both abundance and want, which sounds a little odd to us. How do you weather abundance? That seems easy. But Paul's learned how to weather having plenty and not having enough with godliness and with a godly contentment. Think about how dangerous it is, how Proverbs warns us, how Deuteronomy warns us that in seasons of having plenty, it's easy to forget God and to let that plenty become an idol so that we're concerned about protecting and preserving what we have and trusting in the balance of our accounts and not trusting in the Lord. There is a danger in having enough or more, which Paul recognizes and says, I've learned how to weather abundance with great contentment, with godly contentment, just as he has learned in whatever situation he is, including being brought low including being in danger of having checks that bounce, including circumstances where he doesn't know where his next meal will come from. And we know perhaps more easily than we know the danger of having abundance, the danger of not having enough, and becoming either angry with God at these circumstances he brought us into, or becoming so focused in our anxiety on, on providing and, and meeting those needs that we lose sight of the Lord as our provider. And Paul has learned in both of these circumstances how to be content. Remember that Paul is not just writing a thank you note, but as he turns and speaks to the Philippians about this, as he's done so many times throughout the letter, he's also holding himself out as an example. Because Philippians, there have been times you've had more than enough. Know how, seek how to be godly and content in that. In Philippians, you too have been, will go through times of deprivation. Know how, seek how, learn how to face that with a godly contentment. Lest you curse God in the midst of that want. In that situation where you have three part-time jobs and none of them meet your bills and you don't know what's next. You cry out to the Lord, why? Learn godly contentment. And as your bank account grows and your blessings abound and you have more than you need and that leads to more insurance policies than you ever knew you would need and how to preserve this and how to meet my needs and how to keep this thing going, learn godly contentment. 
But see how Paul seasons this. Because the language Paul uses could speak to the culture the Philippians come from, of this stoic self-sufficiency. That I have in myself everything I need to meet any circumstance that comes my way. And although we might not recognize the names that would would stand out to the Philippians of Seneca and and other ancient writers that that modeled this idea, we know that thought of self-sufficiency, of keeping stores of dry goods in case the grocery store breaks down. Of having a generator attached to your home because hurricane season is coming, isn't it? And we we have this idol in American culture of being able to provide enough for ourselves that we don't need anybody's help. And we can face everything in our own strength, in our own wisdom, in our own preparation, whether that be physical implements in our property where we've begun to homestead, or whether that be all of the different ways we've invested so that if that market crashes, we can still get money out of the bank from that account over there. But this is not what Paul speaks of. He's not talking about self-sufficiency. He's talking about Christ-sufficiency. There's no stoic resolve or tightening of the belt and pulling himself up by his bootstraps in this passage. Paul has learned in all of these varieties of circumstances to lean on Christ. To find his strength, his sufficiency, his ability to weather these things in Christ. Paul has leaned on Christ fully in every kind of season and found him sufficient for them all. There's a misreading of this passage that that shows up on the t-shirts of Christian sports teams. And other places, right? Suggesting that we can beat the guys who won state last week through Christ who strengthens us. There's something true there. Maybe not beating that team. But, But recognizing that Jesus empowers and strengthens us by his Holy Spirit to face whatever may come. Whatever may be brought our way. But we miss the depth of what Paul says here to this congregation and to us by taking Paul's words that direction. When he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. He's talking about facing every perceivable financial situation that could possibly come your way. That every circumstance of abundance or need, Christ is sufficient for. When you look at your family, you don't know how you can keep the lights on or put food on the table for them. Jesus is sufficient for that. 
And when God has given you more money than you could ever hope for. And your heart begins to drift and you wonder if you'll be drawn away after those things rather than Jesus. Lean in because Christ is sufficient for that as well. Paul has learned in every circumstance to face all of these things with a godly disposition. Paul is not saying that Jesus has kept his bank balance in the black. But that in the strength of Christ, he's learned to endure wealth without forgetting the Lord Jesus. And to face deprivation without cursing God. And to look at the state of his churches and the need of the church in Jerusalem and all of these other things, this Gentile mission with so many stresses and worries and know in the midst of that that Christ is sufficient. That he will care for his sheep and he will build his church. So Paul is thankful, but you must know also, Philippians, that I've learned, and I hope you learn too, how to be content in all manner of circumstances. Second, we see in this passage, in verses 14 through 17, that Paul is seeking their good. Because how do you thank the Philippians? How do you write that letter to your grandmother? How does a missionary respond to a church thanking them without implying that they look forward to their next check in the mail? It was kind of you to share my trouble, verse 14. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership like you did. The Philippians have been committed to Paul's ministry from the beginning. In material support as well as prayer. They've been two cities down the road. Paul has been still in their region and they supported his ministry so that he was free to proclaim the gospel without worry. He's moved across the sea to another community and they continue to support him. And now... As he's in prison in Rome, once again, they meet his needs. Because they've been committed from the beginning and they've committed to him both near and far. In Thessalonica, that's just down the road in our same region. And now, as you're in Rome in prison, Paul, we will support you. He says it was kind of you. To share my troubles. But Paul isn't after that provision. He says, not that I seek the gift. But I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Paul is delighted to see in this congregation the the fruit of the Spirit in the lived experience in the outward actions of this church in Philippi. And he holds them up as an example to other churches. Their constancy 
And their sacrificial giving is a, is a mark of maturity in Christ. So that he speaks of the Philippians to the church in Corinth. He says, look at this church who gave not out of their abundance, but out of their need. He tells other churches, I, I had to tell them to stop. Because they were giving so sacrificially. You had to wonder how they were eating. And Paul writes to the Philippians and says, look at this gift that God is developing in you. He even uses a financial metaphor to talk about the, the spiritual profit of their continued service to Christ. And they're meeting Paul's need in this area. So that Paul is delighted to see God at work in their hearts. Perhaps you've known people like that. People who would, would give you the shirt off their back as soon as they realized you had a hole in yours. And here we have a whole congregation characterized in this way. And so Paul thanks them. But he has to be careful to do so in a way that doesn't just lead them to send him another one. And yet it brings him great joy. Because this outward behavior of this church is a mark of what God is doing in their hearts as they follow him in obedience. So Paul has learned to be content in all circumstances. And he seeks the Philippians' profit and not his own. I desire to continue to see your good and your growth in Christ as this, this spirit that God has given you continues to earn interest until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he does thank them. He does thank them. It's not, not something that dies the death of a thousand qualifications. We see in verse 18, almost a, a nevertheless, thank you. Thank you. It says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus, the gifts you sent. Through the Lord Jesus and the way the Lord Jesus has stirred the hearts of the Philippians, Paul has everything he needs. He is amply provided for. So much so that he can make a joke in this passage. This is, this is a phrase that's Equivalent to our paid in full that you might stamp on the bottom of a receipt. I received full payment and more. I'm well supplied. You've put me in a season of abundance once again. Thank you for that. This gift that you sent. By the hand of Epaphroditus. Gifts, in fact, he says. 
I have received. And then he characterizes that gift. How does he describe it? A fragrant offering. A sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. He characterizes it not as a service to Paul, but as an offering to the Lord that the Lord is pleased with. Then he blesses. We're familiar with Paul's charge to the church in Rome. In chapter 12, verse 1 of Romans, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And here he characterizes the Philippians' gift as that kind of offering, that kind of sacrifice, one that pleases the Lord. And in this moment, the Philippians stand out as an example for us. Do we offer our bodies, do we offer all of ourselves as a fragrant offering, as a living sacrifice to the Lord Jesus? And some of us need to see the Philippians and be challenged by their example. When we offer ourselves as living sacrifices, do we include our giving in that? Our providing for those in need, our giving to the work of the kingdom. But some of us need to take this passage and we need to connect it with what he says in Romans. Because it's far easier for us to get out the checkbook than it is to give of the rest of our lives. To offer our whole selves as living sacrifices. So see the example of Paul. See his gratitude. See the spiritual benefit that accrues for this congregation. And hear the thank you of one ministering in a time of great need. Whose needs are provided for through this congregation. Paul's not seeking their gift, but their good. He's learned to be content in all circumstances. But thank you. Because he's well provided by their gift. And would the Lord use you in that way for the growth of his kingdom and for your spiritual good? But Paul doesn't end There, there's two more verses in the paragraph, verses 19 and 20, where he says to the Philippians, God will supply all of your needs. Paul's relationship with the Philippians is not a a tit for tat. It's not this full reciprocity whereby you send me a check and I send you a, a handkerchief I've prayed over, right? It's not a zero-sum game where they send money and he sends spiritual blessings. But just as God has provided for Paul's every need, and in part, and perhaps in large measure, through 
the Philippians. And they know Paul's in no position to return the favor. Paul can point to the same Lord who's provided for him and recognize their lack and their state of need out of which they give which is both material and spiritual, as they face persecution there in Philippi. And he can assure the Philippians that the same God who has strengthened me, who's taught me how to be content in all circumstances, who has through you provided for my material need in this moment, that same great God will provide for every Need of yours. My God. See how he personalizes that. Not the God. Not our God in a general way. But Paul can say out of his deep, rich, long experience. My God will supply every need of yours. Not the spiritual needs of yours and good luck with the rest. Work harder. Not the material needs of yours, and hopefully you'll also grow spiritually in the midst of that. My God will supply every need of yours, including those you don't yet know you have. God is already working to provide materially for you as you face want, to provide spiritually for you as you seek to grow in Christ, to provide protection for you in the midst of persecution that is coming and is now here. And he doesn't do so like some of us do. Sometimes we give and we don't really want to. Right? We give begrudgingly. We supply for the needs of others because we happened to have two of something or because it will help us in tax season. God will supply every need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. God who owns the world and everything in it. The Lord Jesus Christ in whom every spiritual blessing abounds. The one to whom we belong as sheep who is our shepherd, our protector and defender. He is the one who will, out of his bounty, provide for your needs, Philippians, for your needs, Faith Presbyterian Church. This great God, out of his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, he is the one who will provide. And all to the glory of God the Father. He'll supply every need of ours out of his bounty for your comfort. To meet your deepest desires. So that you could wear a Rolex on your television show. No. He will supply every need of yours out of this bounty of riches and glory in Christ Jesus. 
for the glory of our great God. As we turn it back to him in praise. As the world watches and sees how he cares for his people. As our own hearts are stirred and we seek the Lord both in want and in plenty. All for the glory of the Father. Beloved, will you trust the Lord? As you face all manner of circumstances, will you lean in to the Lord Jesus instead of away? Will you seek first his kingdom and let him worry about whether those things will be added unto you? Will you let the Lord's wisdom be the measure of what you need? And not your own estimate of the situation. When you face trials and temptations of various kinds, will you seek the Lord? Will you bring your worries and anxieties to Jesus? That you, like the Philippians, like Paul, like so many in the history of the church, might find him faithful. And out of that experience of his blessing and grace, will you hold all you have loosely? that it might be put to the work of the glory of Christ's kingdom. A challenging word, an encouraging word that the Lord leaves us with this morning. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the Apostle Paul. We thank you for his wisdom in how to approach difficult things. We thank you for his care for the church in Philippi and his challenge to them and to us. To echo the words of the Lord Jesus. Lord, may we be found to be a people whose treasure is stored up in heaven whatever treasures you may give us on earth. May we see the Lord Jesus as lovely and worthy of our full and complete allegiance. Lord, as we face want, may we be struck by the abundance we have in Christ. And so trust you with our material need, even as you we trust you with our spiritual needs as well. May we find you faithful as we do so, that you may receive the honor and the glory. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You've been listening to the podcast of Faith Presbyterian Church here in Clinton, Louisiana. 
Check our website, faithchurchclinton.org, for more teaching and for our current schedule of events if you'd like to drop in. We pray this recording has been a blessing to you. Go in peace.